Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of the Brews Less Traveled podcast, where we explore all things travel and craft beer. We've touched down in our newest undiscovered craft beer city for the month of January, sunny San Antonio, Texas. Join me, Julie, and my co-host Mike as we chat with Greg Spickler, the brewmaster and director of operations for Alamo Beer Company. We also tasted their Alamo Golden Ale and Davy Bocket Hellesbach, which was a great and refreshing way to spend a January evening. I can't wait to share this episode with all of you. Cheers. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first virtual tasting of the new year with the Bruce Less Traveled Beer Club. So excited to see all of you. My name is Julie Walker. I am your craft beer loving host for January. As far as my relationship with craft beer and why I'm here and why I love doing this, it's definitely not just a hobby for me. It's really a passion. I have been a home brewer for over a dozen years now. I am a certified beer server through the Cicerone program, which is kind of like the sommelier program, but for beer. And I'm working towards my level two certification there. So it's just something that I love doing. Even my day job as the experiences manager here at Bruvana and our sister company, City Brew Tours and Unbox Experiences. Um, I like to think about beer and I work in beer and I, I love teaching about it. So I'm so excited to be here with you for January, but I am not alone. I do have a wonderful co-host, one of our regulars. You might know him as well. Mike, do you want to introduce yourself? Hello. Thanks, Julie. Wow. You're very impressive. Uh, I'm going to introduce oh, myself. Uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, you guys know, know me. I'm Mike Birch. I've been here uh, a few times. Uh, and uh, I uh, work here in New York City as a uh, tour guide on our brewery tours and also do our unboxed experiences online. I've also been a beer tender here in New York, the Arts and Crafts uh, Beer Parlor. So uh, I've, got a, I've got a little experience. A little bit, a little bit. Also a singer, actor, comedian. And uh, I'm so glad to be here again. So fun. As far as where we are this month, we have taken a short jaunt over west to a new city, a new undiscovered craft beer city. This city is also known as, and buckle up, there are like a million nicknames for this city. It's also guess. known as Countdown City. Spurs Nation, River City, and the Pittsburgher and me has a little bit of a qualm with that one, San Antonio, Military City USA, and my personal favorite, which I have no idea where it comes from, but I love it, something to remember, we've touched down in the Alamo City itself, drum roll please everyone, do a little drum roll, it's like Christmas vacation, San Antonio. Uh, we also have a great guest tonight from uh, Alamo uh, beer company. We have Greg Spickler, who's the brewmaster and the director of operations at Alamo Beer Company. And we're going to be drinking their Davy Bocket Hellas Bach and also the Alamo Golden Ale. So we're looking forward to both of those for sure. For sure. Is there one that you're more excited to open, Mike? I'm definitely a, a Bach guy, and I know that you like the box as well. So uh, I, yeah, I'm looking really looking forward to trying that for sure. Yeah. But both of them for sure. Uh, either way. I as well. I'm excited to try both of them. All Love right. It. Who's, who's thirsty? Ready to crack open uh, a beer. I think we're going to start with the Alamo golden ale. First. Sounds good to so me. When it comes to beer tasting, we always like to go kind of lightest flavor intensity to heaviest flavor intensity. These are both, you know, a little bit lighter types of beer. Um, mm. But I think this one, I think is going to go best first and then we'll move on to the next one. So let's do that. Absolutely. Well, first thing you got to get have your nice brew on a glass. We like to hold it at a 45 degree angle and aim the beer right to the center of the glass, just like this. And when it gets about halfway full, you want to turn the glass upright 
pour the rest of the beer directly in like so. Nice. You're a little excited there. <laughs> not bad. You have a nice selfie head on there. Yeah, it does have Gorgeous. a nice color to it. It's looks certainly like, golden. Looks like sunshine. Hmm, a nice nose to it. Mm-hmm. So this beer clocks in at 4.75 ABV and 18 IBU. So it's kind of a sweeter, milder ale. Uh, might actually remind you of maybe one of your favorite lagers. All right. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers, Let's everyone. Happy New Year. Yeah, indeed. So effervescent, right? It's like very light. Yeah. It really does remind me of a, of a, a, a lager, a little bit like a Hellas lager. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Got that little bit of sweetness, got a sort of a, a bit of a, a grassy nose to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like super. cut grass. Yeah, super refreshing mm. for sure. Yeah, I like that a lot. All right, good on you, Alamo. I'm, I'm on board. Uh, so this is a... Uh, this is a, a golden ale. It's also known as American blonde ale, right? And, and the styles are categorized uh, together for the Great American uh, Beer Festival judging. So the names can be used interchangeably, blonde ale and, and golden ale. I'm not usually a big fan of, of uh, golden ales, but this one is really smooth mm-hmm. and very refreshing. So I might have to change my tune on that. Maybe I have to dr- <laughs> I've been drinking the wrong goldens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're Now you're a convert. This, uh, yeah, this golden ale... Uh, is not to be confused with a Belgian style golden strong ale, which is an old world, higher ABV um, kind of ale with a really kind of distinctive fruity Belgian yeast character. So they're very different ales with a very similar name. Um, this beer is definitely uh, kind of an anecdote to cold January weather. I think it's, it tastes like summer in Texas, you know, it's like very refreshing. Mm. Yeah, definitely crushable. I feel like this is one that you could just kind of drink all day and be just like, just relaxed, you know? Absolutely. And I'm getting a little nuttiness on the finish there. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a little nice, complex uh, uh, Blondale. Uh, so uh, we can talk a little bit about the history of the, of the Blondale. It's, uh, it originated in England, as a lot of beers uh, do, under the name Dinner Ale or Sparkling Ale. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1915, the British Parliament passed the Defense of the Realm Act. Uh, and that reduced the alcohol levels in beer. <laughs> Not, maybe everybody wasn't too happy about that. Uh, but it let English workers remain sober while they were producing weapons and ammunition for the war effort. So I guess, I guess they, they, you wouldn't want to uh, have the guns blow up in your face because you were too drunk. Uh, so uh, also German ingredients, uh, because they were at war, were, were missing. Uh, they were uh, harder to import. Uh, and so you, you miss some of the darker styles. And that's where we got... Uh, Got a little bit paler and usually clocks in below five percent. This story kind of makes me think about um, when the pyramids were being built and kind of paying people in beer. It was definitely something you would just like drink all day long, wouldn't get you drunk because it was low alcohol. Um, so I guess that worked. Um, so this style also <laughs> caught on in the states in kind of the seventies and eighties. Right after that, um, you know, home brewing became legal and craft breweries started to you know come to be. Um, it was because people who were brewing beer wanted to find something that was a little more familiar to the American palate, which had grown really accustomed to those post-prohibition adjunct lagers, you know, like corn lagers, things like your domestic beer. So these days, uh, I know we mentioned it's called both a golden ale and a blonde ale. A lot of breweries have actually shifted away from using the name blonde ale because of the kind of gendered representation that's often been attributed to it, especially as it comes to like marketing and beer labels with blonde women everywhere. Um, And I definitely respect that. I think that that's really cool that, that a lot of breweries have started to really embrace that golden ale name instead of the blonde ale. Oh, all right. Yeah. I like that too. Excellent. Yeah. This is a, this is a really nice one. Uh, I, I like it. I like it. And it definitely has that American uh, vibe to it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
So new year, huh? That's right. Happy new year. Happy new year's everyone. Uh, Mike, I heard you actually got to do something really fun with Ruvana. No, that's right. I was part of the uh, uh, the 12 beers of Christmas, uh, uh, which is the box that we sent out and taking pre-orders for next year very soon. So keep I think, an eye I out think for that. As, as early as tonight, I think they're going to wow. start taking pre-orders because it's the last night of our 12 beers of Christmas Oh, today, tonight's the last yep. night. Mm -hmm. um, uh, fantastic. Yeah, we had a, a game show with three, three contestants that were all of the uh, beer guides. And uh, I was bombing at first, but I came all the way back. <laughs> to tie for a, for a, uh, 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 we had to have a face off for the tie and I did lose the, uh, the face off. <laughs> I like that you had your triumphant comeback. Yes. Only to yes. fail at the last moment. So sad. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I had the, uh, the idea for a, 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 a Marvel, uh, uh, cinematic universe brewery. And that, that, that brought me back. People <laughs> like that. The Hulk beer, you know, uh, it's going to be a, a green beer that's very strong. <laughs> and all the glassware was going to be made out of vibranium so it wouldn't shatter. So <laughs> very creative. <laughs> it saved, it saved my game there. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. New Year's is, uh, it's definitely one of my favorite holidays. I really like, um, I'm somebody who likes planning and goal setting. So I like get super into it right at the beginning of the new year. And then like I'll last a week and then, you know, all bets are off at that point, but I get really excited about it for about a week. <laughs> So do you have a resolution that you're, you're working yeah. on the, yeah, I, have a couple. I haven't broken them yet. It's still, it's only the fifth. So, um, so luckily I, I managed to keep them till the fifth. So one of them, uh, is reading. I want to try to read 24 books. I'm thinking oh, okay. like about two books a month. I think, you know, as a busy working mother, I think I can do that. Um, so trying to read a bit more, hopefully, uh, looking into getting a house. I've been living in an apartment since I moved to North Carolina. Um, so that would be awesome. Um, oh, and then yeah. getting that, getting that level two uh, Cicerone. I really, really want to do that. You know, it's, it's something I've wanted to do for years and years. And I feel like now's the, you know, if not now, when, so definitely want to dive into to studying for that. And, and Those sound that. very achievable. I think, I think you can do it. Yeah. Fingers crossed. How about you? <laughs> Me? Oh, no, no. I do have, you know, I, I, I don't, uh, I do set goals for myself, but I, I don't, uh, I don't usually do it on the new year. It's like whenever <laughs> like, I did have to get up back on the bike today on the, on the, uh, I try to do five miles a day and I was not oh, doing nice. that over the holidays. Like stationary bike or like actually <laughs> yeah, stationary out the bike. bike. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little nice. cold. I think it was 22 out today. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I would want to bike in that either. Not that and I, I bike could, anyway, and I could but... close my eyes when I'm on the stationary bike too. <laughs> you can't do that on the road. <laughs> yeah. That might be a little bit dangerous. <laughs> I love that. Um, all right. So before we move on to the second beer and our guests, we're going to learn a little bit more about Alamo Brewing Company, who we are featuring this week. Um, so it's been around since December of 2014, and it's been producing the only beer to bear the Alamo name since the start of Prohibition. And in 2021, they were named the best local beer company in the Best of San Antonio competition. So that's like high praise. Yeah, and they're known for offering both familiar and accessible beers. I like this flagship Golden Ale, as well as experimental beers, uh, they have a, a, a 210 minute boiled IPA that's double dry hopped with Talus and Idaho seven hops currently on, on tap at their beer hall. I, I've just checked it out on their tap list. It's 10% ABV. Ooh, so wee. that's a, they, get, they, they do have some big beers. I got to ask, uh, ask our guests about these, these big beers they have there. Yeah. Really yeah. cool. No biking after that. That's for sure. 
<laughs> do the yeah. biking in the morning and then reward yeah. yourself. Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds pretty, pretty awesome and very different than what we're drinking tonight for sure. They also have a really cool outdoor flea market and they have a stage for outdoor concerts. Their shandy is also amazing. So if you go there mm. trying out their shandy, I definitely would recommend it. Super refreshing. There's also this really cool tower. And that tower that you see in the background is one of our drum roll, please, top things to do in San Antonio. Right. It's called the Tower of the Americas, right? Uh, it was built for the 1968 Hemisphere World's Fair. Uh, celebrating San Antonio's 250th anniversary. There's uh, it houses a revolving restaurant, uh, indoor and outdoor observation decks, a cafe, gift shop, and a 4D theater. So uh, pretty not, neat. not just 3D. There's all four. Four Ds. <laughs> there are four Ds. I love it. The tower itself is 750 feet tall. It's, it was the tallest observation tower in the United States until the 1990s. There are 952 right. steps to get to the top. Um, so if one of your New Year's resolutions is to get in shape, skip the elevator. It's very That's cheesy. Right. Nine, <laughs> 952, very achievable. Yeah, nice, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> and we can't discuss San Antonio and Alamo Beer Company without recommending that you check out the Alamo while you're in the area. It's right in the heart of downtown, so you don't have an excuse not to go. Uh, it's a historic landmark of the Texas Revolution. In 1836, it was originally built as a mission in the 1700s, and then it was converted to a military fortress. And of course, the Battle of the Alamo uh, uh, famously happened there. And as I understand it, there is no basement. Is it like a Pee Wee Herman movie? Yes. Yes, I got it. <laughs> There's no basement <laughs> in the his Alamo. Great, his great adventure, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Mm -hmm. My Very sister good. was terrified of that movie growing up. Oh, yeah. There was like the part with Large Marge, like the mm -hmm. truck driver, and some yeah. kind of like, Tim Burton-esque thing happens and I remember she like ran upstairs to her bedroom and refused to come out after that so that's that's the main thing I remember about that movie but yes they they do go to the Alamo I definitely didn't expect it um to be as small as it is compared to kind of all the modern structures that you see mm -hmm. around it a uh, little bit of kind of insider tips if you do go make sure that you get a pre-time ticket so the entrance is free but you aren't able to actually just walk in walk-ins aren't allowed so you have to get a pre-time um, ticket and you want to go early because it definitely gets hot there so making sure you go earlier in the day i'm ready for i'm ready to try this this uh hella spock do you want to try it i do i even brought right. a clean glass oh yes i did as well uh, we're ready to dive into our second beer and this one is in honor of the battle of the alamo it's the davy bucket hella spock no, I have it here in my cooler. Always keep a cooler nearby. Although on a cold day like today, sometimes I use my window here. I'll just put the, the beer can on the windowsill and, and it actually stays cold. Uh, but I had the heat on earlier, so I got busted out the cooler. You didn't need to know all that information. But hey, <laughs> we like you know. To, we like to share. This is a safe getting, space. We're getting like, real personal. We share, yes. we share here. All right. So let's try this Hellas Bach. So all right. Let's pour this one Davey out. Davey Bucket. Very similar color, color wise, slightly, slightly darker, not quite as a little bit darker, right? I think is the other definitely one. different aroma to it. Oh, yeah, oh, it's not spicy, oh, almost nice. a gingery mm -hmm. uh aroma. It smells great. Oh, yeah, I get that. Yeah, that kind of like almost like spicy crackerness. It yeah. almost makes you think of like rye a little bit. Yeah, cool. yeah, okay, yeah, a little peppery, maybe. Yeah, nice flavor. Mm, yeah, oh, this is a light in alcohol. Usually, I expect my 
Ellis box to be a little stronger. This is 4.2. So this is definitely mm -hmm. a session box. So we can do both of these tonight and we'll be, we'll be all right. You know, just, yeah, just to make sure you know, finish both, both exactly. I love it. All right. Without further ado, let's welcome our guests on for tonight. We have brewmaster and director of operations for Alamo Beer Company, Greg Spickler. Hey, Greg, Glad how's it going? Thanks, guys. Yeah, welcome. So, Greg, first question. I would love to hear from you. What brought you to San Antonio? Uh, I was actually born and raised in San Antonio. Traveled a lot of the country in between. I moved to culinary school in New York and met my wife there. And we traveled the country kind of working at hotels and restaurants and ended up having some kids. And we decided we had to move back to San Antonio uh, to be back around some family. And it's kind of where we ended up landing at Alamo. Fantastic. Now you say you traveled a lot. You, you study the food and beverage around the country and around the world. What, what's another great uh, food and beverage city? Uh, you know, yeah. So why? So I went to culinary school, the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York. Um, oh, wow. And so during culinary school, we would often travel down to the city and work for some celebrity chef for a fancy event. And uh, I had some friends down there at NYU. So we'd crash around that area. And I, I absolutely love just being able to walk a very short distance and find a plethora of different types of foods, a myriad of foods. And, and I love that aspect of, of that area. We lived in Bend, Oregon, and that just was a, had a lot of great food, but it was a lot of great culture and lifestyle as well, as far as the outdoors. And I'd say really us moving around the country was more dependent on, on the area we wanted to live in as opposed to the, the food and so forth. But we, there is great food anywhere. There's great culture and great people anywhere you move. Mm. It's, it's all a little bit different. We opened a brewery in, in Wells Beach, Maine, just south of Portland, about 45 minutes. Uh, Kenny, Kenny Bunkport is more uh, well-known town, that area. We traveled to Portland. I, I did love the kind of food scene and growing craft beer scene in that area. Uh, a lot of great friends, a lot of great restaurants in that area, and, and, and I, you know, thoroughly enjoyed that. So, but you know, even here in Texas, I love going to Austin. The, the food scene is great there, and San Antonio has a great emerging food scene. So, you know, it's every place has has great, amazing food. It just all depends on where you look and you know how hard you look, and it's different everywhere. That's that's a great part about moving around. What was the yeah. brewery in Maine that you opened to? Hidden Cove was. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wonder if somebody in the chat uh, uh -huh. got that. Yeah. It's, that's so cool. It sounds like you've gotten to go to so many amazing places. Indeed. And of course, I always have lots of fun going to all the beer festivals in Colorado and eating my way through it as, as well. Yeah. Yes. Good yeah. Times. yeah, that's actually, Greg, where we met. It was at the, the uh, Craft Brewers Convention. I was walking around awkwardly with like business cards, trying to like talk to people, <laughs> even though you're not tech. I didn't know this, but you're not supposed to do that. But I was just like, I'll just like talk to people and just like try okay. to meet people and then ran into Greg and saw he was in San Antonio. And I knew that that was a place we were going to be featuring here in January. And I was like, let me talk to you about a thing, a thing that we're doing. So yeah, that was awesome. So Greg, you uh, definitely seem like a true Renaissance man from reading through your bio. So you created both Winding Road Provisions and also Southside Bottling Company. I'd love if you could talk a bit more about those projects. Winding Road Provisions. <clears throat> so that, I guess, kind of started in maybe in Maine. Um, I went up there and I wanted our flagship beer to be a, a honey wheat. And up in Maine, I couldn't get a consistent supply of local honey the growing season i say growing season the, the summer season the warm months are so short there that it seemed like any local beekeepers who actually maintained any hives in that area and within the state just sold everything 
uh, you know, jars retail wise, so they can make the full amount of money off of it. And so I, I wasn't really able to get a, a good consistent supply. I mean, I'm sure there's probably someone out there, but I couldn't find them at the time. So I decided, well, I'm just going to keep bees and do it myself. So I did. I was, I was definitely afraid of bees at that point in time. I got stung a whole bunch at one point in my life and just, but you know, whatever. I just said, I'm going to do it. And I did. Uh, <laughs> and then, so that, that kind of was the start of it. And then when I moved to San Antonio, um, started working at Alamo to have some side hustles and one of them was selling craft beer soap uh, using um, beeswax as, as one of the ingredients. Um, I'd saw I'd seen it at a, at a beer festival, I think in Boston, maybe somewhere. And I thought, you know, there's nothing doing in San Antonio. I'm going to do that and see if I can, you know, have some fun. So I did, I started selling beer soap to every single brewery in the city. I'd go and they'd give me beer. I would in turn make soap for them using their beer and, and, and the beeswax from my hives. And I'd put their logo on it and, you know, uh, Alamo beer, free tail beer, whatever, right? It was, it was, it was great and it was fun. And then the local beer bars, Big Hops is our, our local craft beer bar. They started picking up the entire portfolio. So they had 30 beers on the wall and then they had 20 craft beer soap bars on the, you know, on the, on the bar and it was kind of fun. So. It is just kind of grew and it was, it was, it was cool. Um, and then I started doing beekeeping for hotels and resorts around the area. They would have the bees in their garden and uh, I'd, I'd keep, keep the bees for them and then and give them the honey. And then they would make, you know, their salad dressings and, and whatever and desserts and cocktails with the honey. So it'd be the hotel honey and stuff. So it was kind of a really cool marketing aspect for the hotels. And of course they carried their, the, the beer soap as well and you know jars of the hotel honey and stuff so it was, it was cool a lot of fun and then at one of the hotel events um, I, I met up with a good friend of mine Andrew Aguiano who was doing some work for the Southside Chamber of Commerce but previously he had worked at Alamo Beer doing some marketing and he was looking to start a soda company a beverage company with the name Southside because that's where he grew up and, and his family is very um, has a lot of roots in, in Southside of San Antonio um, so he was looking to kind of fill a void there that, that he that he saw and I was asking me about beverage production and if I could help out. And I said, you know, I'd love to do it as long as we can use some honey in, in the product because that's, that's what I'm doing now. It seems like lots of fun. So we did. We started creating beverages that kind of had a South Texas flair to it with a little addition of honey. And that's, that's kind of where Southside Soda started. And, and uh, we we're growing and it's been cool. It's a lot of fun. It's wow. really cool. It sounds like all of those different interests really fit together in different ways. So, you know, that the honey and the beer together, and then moving into like the soda with the honey, but then you solve the soap and then you kind of go to the brewery at that point and kind of having similar interests with all of mm -hmm. them, but making them all kind of separate things. That's, that's really neat. Let's take a beer break. We've talked a lot about honey with our guest, Greg, but brewing with honey isn't just limited to making mead. Believe it or not, making beer with honey is actually part of ancient brewing history. In the 12th century, there was a Celtic beer known as Braggot. While it's unclear whether Braggot was a beer mixed with mead or one brewed with honey, it remains the traditional drink of Wales today. Now, brewing with honey is a different story. Honey is a highly fermentable sugar, meaning any honey added to the boil is going to lose about 95% of its sweetness. For this reason, honey is typically added to beer not to increase sweetness, but to increase the alcohol content. 
If you're really looking to add that sweet sugary goodness to your end brew, as in a pumpkin, nut brown, or holiday ale, you'll want to add heat treated and diluted honey to the primary fermenter and not the boil. Now let's get back to the episode. What do you think is your next endeavor? It sounds like you're, you're an idea guy is my guess. You kind of think of different, you see a need and you're like, what can I do? I'm going to raise bees because I want honey, you know, anything else yeah, it's, on the it's not enough, horizon? Greg. What, what else? Come on. Yeah, <laughs> there's, always, there's always something else going on. Uh, you know, I've been playing around with some, some honey-based spirits, the honey, honey bourbons and stuff like that for a little while. You know, it might be a winding road spirits in the future, but who knows? You know, I'm having a lot of fun growing Alamo right now and, and, and the projects there. And in addition to Alamo beer, we co-package for a lot of other customers, including Southside Craft Soda. So it's it's a lot of fun to help build other brands as well and, and kind of help bring these uh, small producers to market. So I have a lot of fun kind of doing that right now. And that's rewarding. And it's very cool to see other people kind of build their dreams and so forth. Maybe some spirits, maybe been kind of into building rental cabins and stuff like that. I think my next one down and I don't see some real estate kind of <laughs> I just want to build some houses. But really, you know, really fine. beverage. Beverage has been my my passion. So I, I love anything beverage and I've done beer. We're, we're, we're going to getting into more fruit kind of beverages, not NA still, but um, it's very natural, organic kind of fruit stuff. So we're, we're just trying to see where, where it takes us and have a lot of fun with it. And, and if I end up making spirits great later on, we'll see. Thinking about, you know, honey and, and brewed beverages, have you ever toyed around with making mead? Yeah, I have made some meads. I enjoy very dry mead. When I was up in Portland, Maine, there was a place up there, Urban Farm from Manory, that did, I thought did a great job doing different types of meads, and they did a lot of dry stuff and dry hopped, and I enjoyed that kind of product, and there's a lot of even great places here in Texas, but I actually started distilling some mead and then working kind of that and making more spirits out of that and kind of playing around with that aspect of it. Um, I thoroughly enjoy making the mead, but I've uh, got some other kind of projects that play around with mead, but it's not necessarily exactly mead. Yeah, I feel like it It reminds me a bit of winemaking where I feel like making beer, I find it more fun. I made mead once and it was just like pretty simple to me, but like beer, <laughs> I feel like you get to play around with so many different ingredients and like the timing of oh, things. Yeah. And I feel like it's a much more precise and more of an art. So yeah, I definitely, I prefer beer brewing myself, but I, I tried mead once. It was too sweet for me. You know, a lot, a lot of people have tried mead once or twice and they get that same comment. It's too sweet. A lot of people use a lot of Belgian yeast. There's a lot of strong kind of phenolic flavors to them maybe. It's, and a lot of them, they recommend you age for a very long time. So I think a lot of people have some different experience with it. There's very delicious meat out there, but yeah, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of good meat uh, lately. We had a lot of arts and crafts where I worked and different flavors. They can be really wonderful. Yeah. Oh yeah. And like I said, like you say, the drier meads, they, they mm-hmm. appeal to me more and that aren't as uh, on the sweet side, which is funny to say about a beverage that's made from, from honey. <laughs> funny. Yep. Well, we, luckily we just got our wine license at Alamo. So now I can actually make wine products. Oh, nice. So I might be, I might be playing with some of the meads. We've done some in the beer hall. I you know, kind of mentioned some of our you know, higher ABV beers and, and stuff that's not in the market. We have like 30 taps at the brewery now, 36 taps. Mm. So we're constantly nice. putting fun stuff out there, trying to always have a reason for someone to come out because there's always something for everybody or something new and something different, right? Do you put the Southside sodas on tap at the brewery? I have them in bottle at the brewery. Oh, cool. I don't actually have them in tap. On tap, I, I save all the taps for the tons of other crazy stuff we have there. <laughs> uh, no fun. It probably opens up opens up a lot of fun options too, for sure. Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes a good marinade and some good barbecue sauce and stuff like that. Nice. So going back to the beer, which is you know mostly on tap there. So we're sure. drinking a Hellesbach, uh, not just a Bach. I would love for you to talk a bit more about what makes it a Hellesbach specifically. Sure. So 
Uh, you know, Hellesbach is just typically a little bit lighter in color. And, and you're right, our, our Hellesbach is slightly lower in the ABV than your typical Bach would be. That was more of a marketing kind of deal. When I traveled through Germany, my favorite two beers that I would consistently drink at most places, uh, one by name would be the Weizsäcker Helles. If that wasn't around, I would get a lager beer, which was very much of a general term. It seemed like that when, you know, the breweries were very traditional, right? You'd, you'd kind of see that. And it was somewhere between, you know, the lighter beers and the darker beers. So it's, it's funny, uh, David Bach is a Hellas Bach, but I'd probably relate that more to the lager beers I drank there is, is more lighter, but there was some, a little bit of little bit of amber, a little bit of maltiness to it. So that's kind of what I was thinking of when I developed this recipe here was I wanted to be light. The, the folks uh, were asking for a Bach beer. Um, we made some Box, we made some Doppelbox, we made all kinds of Box before, but I think San Antonio being so hot looking for something crushable, something drinkable. I wanted to be a little bit on the lighter end. So it's primarily Pilsner malt. There is some Vienna malt in there, giving it that little bit of maltiness to it, a little bit more darker, amber caramel flavor. It's a very light beer, crushable, and that's kind of what I wanted for it. Yeah, yeah you nailed awesome. it. I think it's great flavor. Yeah, really good. Yeah, really tasty. Bach is really cool because there are so many different types of Bach. The Helles Bach, I think also my Bach, they kind of can be used interchangeably, but then you also can do like a Doppelbach or Weizenbach or an Eisbach, which is really cool because you kind of freeze the beer and then get like the concentrated yeah, that's, beer that's off fun. of it. So fun, yeah. yeah, there's some really cool things. Oh no, did you really? <laughs> tell us more about that. I want to hear about the, the accidental Eisbach. Uh, I can legally tell you more about that. <laughs> <laughs> so mysterious. That'll be for another time. That's like the after show. <laughs> so the company's tagline is fiercely independent. Where does the motto come from? Relate it back to the Alamo, of course. Yeah. The, you know, the, the folks there, the brave folks there, they fought fiercely for their independence. So when we, uh, and I say we, um, Eugene Seymour, the owner of the company, and when he founded it and, and put his first product out, his motto on the on the bottle was brewed with a fiercely independent spirit. Mm. And that was more referring to the product and referring to the quality and just you know, going out there and trying to build something in craft, right? But nowadays, we shortened it down to fiercely independent um, as opposed to brewed with a fiercely independent spirit. And that's really to or, or relate to the fact that it is a small, independently owned family business. We are craft beer. We are independent craft brewery. And we're proud to be a small business. So that's yeah. trying to encompass all of that, I guess, is is you know why we chose to, uh, fiercely independent. Love it. Yeah, I love how it works on a couple of different levels. Being this kind of independent family business is really cool. It really seems like Alamo Beer Company has this strong ethic of social responsibility as well, sustainability. It's benefited a number of charities. What would you say you're most proud of? We're very proud to help out and, and to donate to the multiple different charities we have. It's We feel it's the right thing to do. The one we're most proud of or the one we're most involved in would be the Pints for Prostates. Early on, Eugene was, was friends with the guy who started that, and, and he started the Pints for Prostates because of a friend of his that was a brewer, um, ended up having prostate cancer, didn't check it early enough, and, and ended up passing. So that's why the Pints for Prostate was started. And so that, that hit home to Eugene starting the brewery, really wanting to make effect in, in the industry that we were getting into. And it turning out being that Eugene had prostate cancer later on and, and luckily beat it and, and is, is great now. So it, it really set that in stone that that's what we're going to focus our efforts on. And, and it's been a great partnership. We throw a festival every year for Father's Day, Pints for Prostate's Father's Day. So we do free testing for anyone who wants to come up and get it done with the local doctor's office here and provide those results to anyone free of charge. 
we try and give off as much as possible in that aspect to do the also the rare beer fest in, in Denver whenever they do they do that and that's a lot of fun I'm also kind of benefiting that aspect so um, that's definitely been the, the biggest one that we really focus on it's really about community giving back community being involved in it being a part of it being socially responsible and, and environmentally responsible we have a nice uh solar array on top of the building that's shaped in the shape of the Alamo so that's fun to look at but it does provide a lot of our power in the early days it provided I say 50% it might be a little bit less now because we have really ramped up production recently so there's a lot more demand I'd say maybe a little bit less than 50 but around that area we're Proud to be a part of that and, and proud to you know have sustainable efforts. In addition to that, we installed an Earthly Labs CC system is what they call it, is a CO2 recapture device. Most small brewers just vent off their CO2, bubble it out into the atmosphere because technology is not available for smaller brewers. It's typically only available for larger breweries and big scale, very expensive equipment and takes up a very large footprint. This uh, great little company out of Austin called Earthly Labs has now reduced the footprint of that technology and made it more available to the smaller brewers. So now we are able to recapture um, majority of our fermentation CO2, uh, clean it and reuse it uh, later on in our process. So that's, that is really cool. It's just one of our little uh, efforts to be more sustainable and reduce our footprint and just be better parts of the community. That's, that's so cool. I'd never heard of that. And when you go to a brewery, if there's kind of like an actively fermenting beer, you'll see a hose going into like a bucket of water bubbling around and that's all that CO2 right, yeah. coming out of it. But this idea of kind of like reusing that thing that is just like invisible to the eye is something that can be reused and you know, can be used towards sustainability. That's, that's super cool. And ne- never mm-hmm. heard of that before. It's really neat. Yeah. Way ahead of the curve on that one. Yeah. All right. So our members love to learn things to do from the locals. So what would be your ideal day off in San Antonio. I love getting outdoors. So my ideal day off would probably be going slightly north of San Antonio and finding a river and going and floating in the river. Love it. Oh, the San Antonio river. It. They, they rarely let you float in that one. Uh, <laughs> typically ends up behind bars if you do. But <laughs> the ideal but day, a little, a little not an ideal night. It's, it's, it's great here <laughs> and everything. So. <laughs> that sounds great to spend all day on the river i love it, it sounds like a, a uh-huh. perfect day off for sure i think so my kids love it you know we got, we got a big canoe and wife and kids we go out there and dog jumps around it's great it's fun one time all right so as we wrap up here it is time for our rapid fire questions greg don't think just answer are you ready no thinking <laughs> no thinking all right mike take it away here we go new year's resolution drink more beer if you could drink a beer with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? Garcia. What is your spirit animal? I think someone told me it was a deer. Beer style that is so last year. Is pickle there yet? Are we, are we on the cover? We could we could put it there. What is the beer style of 2022 going to be? That, that's that's what everyone's you know. If I had a magic ball, I would love to say we are we you know, we're going back to same classic stuff. We're going to brew some more pilsners and some more Mexican lagers. I like Good it, question. lagers, more lagers. Mm-hmm. Bring yeah. the yeah. craft lager go. back to uh, can't promise. get wrong there. Definitely, <laughs> yeah, I definitely have seen that that trend over this last year, and I think I I definitely see it continuing as well. Greg, it has been a pleasure having you. Is there anything that you would like to plug? If you're if you're in San Antonio, come check out Alamo Beer and Southside Craft Soda. We'd love to have you. Thanks for tuning in. Awesome. Yeah, and we'll thanks look for, for being those here. cabins. We'll be able to rent and if, and if you hey, you're right. <laughs> the ones that you as build. Soon as I get those up, and I'll let y'all know. Very soon. <laughs> build some we'll cabins. Out. We'll have some honey, some soda pop, some awesome beer. I love it. 
<laughs> thank you all so much for tuning in today. Thank you, Greg. Thanks to my wonderful co-host, Mike. Be sure to tune in next week. We'll continue our exploration of the San Antonio beer scene with a German Pilsner and a Berliner style red ale from Weathered Souls Brewing Company. We'll also be speaking oh, with nice. Marcus Baskerville, their head brewer and co-founder, also the creator of the incredible Black is Beautiful initiative. So you will not want to miss it. Cheers, everyone. Have a good night. Bye, Happy gang. New Year. Prost. Thank you so much for joining me in our virtual tap room this week. I love sharing a beer with you. And don't forget to sign up for the Brews Less Traveled Beer Club at Bruvana.com. This way you'll get all the beers we taste on the podcast delivered right to your doorstep so you can drink along. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and subscribe to Bruvana on Untapped so you can stay up to date with the beers in the box. Can't wait to crack open a cold one with you next week. Cheers! <laughs>